I want you to begin by opening your Bible to Micah, and we're going to look at four points today uh, that Jesus really exemplifies, that really are models for us to understand how to carry out God's plan for our life here on earth. And it's really uh, mirrored in Jesus' life what we are called to do as well. So Micah 5.2, we're going to begin there, and it says, But thou, Bethlehem, Ephratah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, Yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that to be a ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. And you look at that, of course we know that Jesus is the pre-incarnate Christ. He comes and he incarnates in human flesh. And that he is from everlasting. And from of old and everlasting, it says, and the Hebrew says, the days of eternity. You know, it's hard to get our mind wrapped around uh, the concept of eternity. But, you know, Jesus always was. In Jeremiah, it says, a woman shall encompass a man. And the creator is being encompassed by his creation. He is being incarnated. It's, it's an unusual and strange thing. But here, here's another thing. Uh, and that's, that's point one, and let's go to Hebrews 10.7. I want to look at something there as well. And not only did Jesus last, was everlasting and he was for eternity past, but he comes to us in the volume of a book. Four things I want you to take note because it really applies to us as well. Hebrews 10.7 says this, Then said I, lo, come... Excuse me. Then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do thy will, O God. Everybody say that. It is written of me to do thy will. This is, this is really a profound insight that Jesus comes to us initially, and first and foremost, he came to us in the volume of a book. He came to us with 300 different prophecies about his incarnation, his birth, his uh, life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his ever sitting at the right hand of God, his eternal ministry, uh, his heavenly ministry as intercessor, and, and then ultimately as ruler of the eternal state, and all these different things. Everything about Jesus is written in a book, and it's given to us. And really, I would say it was given to him because it says he grew in wisdom and in stature, in Luke, it talks about how he grew in wisdom and stature, Luke 2 and 52. And so he didn't, I don't think he knew who he was, but through the understanding of the word, he grew in the knowledge of who he was and what he was called to do, and God revealed it to him through the word. And I believe that's exactly what God has called us to do, is to look into the word of God and find out who we are, what he's called us to do. But not only that, uh, I believe there's even a more specific book written about our life, and so I want to talk about that in just a minute. But really, the prophetic record really reveals Jesus before he ever shows up on the scene. There's a book about him who existed uh, you know, far long before he ever came on the scene. And then John 1 and 1.14. Another step is, first of all, we know that he's eternally existent. Number two, we know that his life on earth is revealed in a book. And then, not only that, but in John, it says that he became, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word is with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is that book, and it says that he became flesh and dwelt among us. Really, he's incarnated into flesh. The book is incarnated into flesh. 
the book that is written about uh, his life, suddenly one appears and begins to fulfill the book that is written about his life. You say, where are you going with this, Pastor Bill? Well, you'll, you'll see. Because really, it applies to us today. Well, tur- turn over to John 14, verses 8 and 9. And we can see that the next thing he says is, not only is he incarnated, but there's declaration. There's a declaring of his life. You know, Jesus, you know, uh, he didn't just speak, but he lived out that book. He didn't just preach sermons to fulfill the things that he was going to say, but he lived it out. Augustine says, I preach the gospel every day, and sometimes I use words. So God has a a plan for us, and God had a plan for Jesus, and Jesus not only, you know, spoke, but his life was a declaration of the word of God. So I'm going to turn to John 1 and uh, verse 8. Did I say John 18? I meant 118 if I did. So uh, look what it says there, 1 John. No, John, I'm sorry. 17 and 18, let's just go there. John, first, I mean, excuse me, John 1, 17 and 18. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And no man has seen God at any time, the only begotten of the Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, and he hath declared him. Our life should be a declaration of what's in that book. And just like Jesus, we have a book that's been written about us. Let me go to one last verse in Jeremiah it talks about that he existed in eternity in the mind of God. Let's go ahead and go there. Jeremiah talks about uh, how he was the prophet whom God had sent, and God had preordained his life and his calling, and everything that he was going to do was already uh, written, written out here in this book because the word is eternal. How many of you know God can't get a new thought because that means there would be something he doesn't know? So God has these things in his heart in eternity past. God knows these things. It says in Jeremiah 1.4 that the word of the Lord came unto me. Everybody say, the word of the Lord. So this isn't just something that he just thought up. This is God's word. This is, uh, you know, the Bible is eternally existent because it is the word. Before I, was for, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou came forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. And it goes on and says, Be not afraid. And he goes on, he tells them the things he's going to do. You know, if we don't understand what it is that God is calling us to, if we don't begin to seek God and begin to understand, then we can be circumvented by things that scare us or things that we don't think that we can do. And that's why it's so important at the end of every year as we prepare and we begin to look forward uh, for God to reveal to us vision for the next year. Yes, for our our personal lives, our family, for our church. Uh, Because if we are just wandering, we're like the children of Israel in the wilderness. We are not walking by vision. We're not being led by the Spirit. You know, uh, we're not those who are are living not by bread alone, but by every word that that proceeds out of the mouth of God then we are going to be lost and wandering in our call and in our life. And so we see all these different things. And Jeremiah, he existed in eternity past. Before I knew you, before you were in your mother's room, he knew that. And Paul talks about how he was called before the foundations of the world. So what is all this predestination? What is all this stuff Micah 
talking about Jesus, who always was. But then he comes to the earth in the form of a book and tells what he's going to do. And then he is incarnated and he comes on the scene. And then he makes a declaration of what's in that book and he begins to fulfill prophecies. And he fulfills what was in the mind of God in eternity past. So how does that apply to us today? Well, turn with me, and I'm going to read out of 26 translations, Psalms 139.16. We see the same four principles apply to us in vision and what God has for our life. It's really a powerful thing. I'm going to read it out of the King James first. It says, Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book all thy, my members were written which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. That, that's a little bit hard to follow because it's old King James. But look at these more modern translations, what it says, Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book, all my days were recorded. Just like all that Jesus was called to come and do through the prophetic record, they were recorded before he ever came to earth in the form of flesh. We are in... We are in One sense, I mean, we're not the incarnation, but there is an incarnation of our life that comes after the pre-existed plan of God. But look at this. It says, your eyes saw my unformed substance in your book. All my days were recorded, even those which were purposed before they had come into being. Let me read another translation. It says, you perceived my shapeless substance in your record, were assessed the days that were intended for me, before they ever existed. Let me read a couple more examples. So there's a very clear book that's written about our life. Thine eyes saw the sum total of my days, and in thy book they were all written. They were formed when there was not one among them. Another translation says, You saw me before I was born and scheduled each day of my life before I began to breathe. Every day was recorded in your book. Have you ever had deja vu? Anybody ever had that experience? Where you feel like I've been here and I've done that before? You know, I I can't help but believe that that's some type of premonition that God gives us out of that book. And I really believe that there's a sense of destiny and that we just don't make up vision, you know, well, what are we going to do this year? You know, kind of like, you know, I was talking to Liz and Jesse about a lot of people have just this American dream idea and and they've got their plans and they've made their plans for themselves and they're going to, you know, their goal is success, not necessarily God's will. Because sometimes God's will doesn't always look like success in, in the context of the American dream. But I really believe this, that we really need to understand that vision is simply getting portions of what is written in that book Because when we seek God, God begins to reveal not just some random thing that, gosh, he just had to make it up for us the night before. I think there's an eternally existent plan for us. And Jesus is the model that his life, because he came as a person. And if people have a book written about them, and that he came fully man, then he would have to have a book written about him. Can I get an amen? So if he comes and he's that model and he is that thing that we follow, and he, you know, he says, I come to do thy will, O Lord. Jesus never once talked about his will. And he even didn't want to do the Lord's will when it came to going to the cross because he said, can this cup pass from me? And he said, not my will, but thy will be done. And I really believe that's because it was written in his book. 
And it was the book of Jesus' earthly life. Everybody say earthly life. It's not the book about his eternal existence as God. It's the book, the prophecies are the book of his life here on earth as a person. Not his eternity as God, but his life here as a person. And God has set forth that model that we have a prophetic book about our life that we need to be seeking God about. A lot of people think, well, I, you know, I just got some goals. I just want to do this. I'm, I'm really excited about this. But is it really written in that book? I, and many times I believe it is because he gives us the desires of our heart. And I believe the desires of our heart are really the pages of that book many times. Because that book should be in our heart if we are walking with God. And it really reveals to us who we are. So Psalms 139.16 really reveals that there is a plan and that we existed in God's mind. Now, did God just write that book? When, when did God come up with that book? See, Paul said that he was called before the foundation of the earth. Jeremiah said, God said to Jeremiah, he said, I knew you before you were in your mother's womb. I knew you before you had materiality, before you were a flesh being, before you were an earthly being. Now, I'm, I don't believe like Mormon theology that we pre-existed. Now, we're not talking about that. What we are talking about is we pre-existed in the mind and the will and the plan and even, if we can go there, the book that God has written about us. We pre-existed in God's mind. I don't think God has to get new ideas because then he wouldn't be all-knowing if he had a new idea. That would, that would lead us to believe that he had a thought, something new that he did not have. There's no thought that God can't have if he is omniscient and knows all things. Can I get an amen? So in one sense, we pre-existed, eternally pre-existed in the mind of God. Not as a spirit being like some of the cults teach, but in the mind of God, you know, who is he talking about if he says, I knew you? He didn't know the person of Jeremiah before he came into existence, but he knew the plan of Jeremiah. And that's why he says, I know the plans that I have for you. You know, he could say, I've known them from everlasting to everlasting. Is it interesting to think that we are eternal beings? You know, we think, well, God always was, God will always be, and we think, well, we'll always be, but in one sense, we always were because we're the image of God, but we were always existent in the mind of God. That's why it's so special, and I think it breaks the heart of God when someone goes astray and is lost and goes to hell and is eternally lost, because this has been an eternal being in the mind and in the heart of God. Can I get an amen? Amen. See, when we begin to understand these things, we'll take our lives way more serious as to how that God wants us uh, to live out uh, these things in our lives. So I really believe that it is important. And then we can see that, so we kind of, in one sense, eternally existed. And God, you know, Jesus eternally existed. Then, as it says, lo, I come unto you in the volume of a book. It is written of me. And I believe that, you know, we existed in the volume of a book. In eternity past. And it's written about us. Then I believe that we were incarnated in one sense. Not in the same way that Jesus was. We're incarnated through human seed and being born naturally. But then we're reincarnated a lot like Jesus in that we're born again as a spiritual being. Being born again not of corruptible seed but of incorruptible seed. Even as the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. That we're born again and that seed comes. Jesus was the seed that came. 
into Mary's life and, and was born without a physical uh, experience. It was a supernatural birth where there was no physical father, no physical seed. The only seed was the word of God spoken into her, and it created a new creation. You know, we also have that type of birth in that we get born again. It's not a physical seed. It's a spiritual seed, and we're a new creation, and we're not the person that we used to be. And now we're the person that can fulfill God's will for our life. Jesus could not fulfill God's will for his life on earth as a person until he had a birth in this, in this world through the spoken word of Almighty God. Are you all following me this morning? See, we're, we're, we're getting, in a roundabout way, we're getting to vision and understanding what God wants us to do when it comes time to seek for vision. You know, I believe this, that we, we need to realize that there is an incarnation in every one of us, in a sense. And it's not the same as with Jesus. We understand that. We're not trying to say anybody here is a God uh, you know, but, but we are in that same class. We are in the family of God. And we've come into existence in the new birth in a new and special way. Like Jesus came into existence in a new and special way. Now, he always pre-existed, but he came into a new and special existence when he came here on earth and put on human flesh. And we became a, a, a child when we were born, but we become a child of God when we're born again. And Paul told Timothy in First Timothy, so then... What's the next step? So we have an eternally existent God who comes and is birthed in the earth. We are eternally existent in God's mind. And then we have that incarnation, or we have that book that is written about Jesus, about his life and what he's to fulfill. Those 300 prophecies, you know, we've all heard the statistics that the likelihood statistically of him fulfilling all those prophecies is like filling up Texas. Uh, with silver dollar bills like uh, three inches high or three foot high or something like that, and somebody walking in the midst of those uh, you know, silver dollars and pulling the one out that had been marked by somebody. In other words, the chances of Jesus fulfilling all those prophecies is literally impossible. But he incarnated and he came. And he fulfilled all those books. He came in the volume of a book. He told about his coming. And then he actually fulfilled it out. We've got a book and it tells about our life and what we're called to do. And then we get born, and then we get born again, and now we can fulfill all the days that are written in that book. Now, I don't, I'm not a hardcore Calvinist predestination guy that believes that you know, God has his will, and, and he condemns some to hell before they're ever born, and some to go to heaven, and there's the elect, and there's, there's who aren't the elect. I believe that there's free will, and we can mess up that book. But thank God there's, you know, as we always joke around here and say, there's recalculating and getting back on the course. But I believe that the book is a living book and those things that we maybe have messed up and we've not lived out according to the book, to the plan of our life that David talks about in Psalms 139.16. I believe that we still have the opportunity to get right back and pick up and fulfill most of the book, and God can make all the chapters come back together just like we can recalculate and get back on. And I believe that the book can be fixed, and we can begin to fulfill it, and he can even take those things that are written and make all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. That that only works when you're in God's will, you know. And you, you can mess up, and you can do some things, but God, and when you're praying, and God can begin to bring that into existence. So Paul told Timothy, you know, to go out and begin to war with the prophecies that are spoken over him. So let's talk about declaration. So we've got pre-existence. 
We've got Jesus coming to us in the form of a book. We've got that plan incarnated and a person fulfilling that plan in real life expression, in flesh and blood as a person, as a model for us. And then we see Paul telling Timothy, you know, because then we see in John 1 and 18, it says that God has declared Jesus. And I believe that when we begin to do the book, we begin to declare Jesus. We begin to declare the plan of God for our life. And I like this because when Paul told Timothy to war a good warfare and war with the prophecies that were spoken over him, what does that mean? That means that there's times where God has brought prophecies into your life. My grandma, when I was a little tiny baby, my grandma, who was a Roman Catholic, looked down and said, someday he'll be a priest. Well, in the Catholic context, that was a clergyman of of whatever sorts. And she knew that somehow. And I never knew it till after I got saved, and my sister told me one time that she was there and she heard her say it. And how many of you have had prophecies over your life? Amen. And I believe that God speaks to us, and Paul told Timothy, you know, he says, stir up the gift that's in thee, that was given thee by the laying on of hands of the prophecy and the laying on of hands of the presbytery. I believe the prophecies are many times when we're not hearing and seeking and finding out what's written in that book, God will have to send somebody and tell us a little bit about the book and prophesy some things over us. And then we take those, and we should be getting that on our own, but sometimes God does speak to us through prophetic utterances, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, those things that God has for us. And he said, go and war with us. How many of you know that there's a force against us to bring our book into real life manifestation? And it's satanic forces who do not want us to live out the word of God in our lives. You know, there's the general word of God, just like there was a general word of God that Jesus is the word. But then there was a specific word of God, all the prophecies that told us what Jesus was going to do. See, there's a general word of God for our life, But then there's a specific word or plan of God for our lives, and I believe that's what that book, which is a subcategory or a subset of the greater book, none of it will go against the Bible, what's written in that book, because it all lines up with God's greater plan. But our smaller jurisdiction of our plan for our life is written in that book. And I believe that when we begin to declare that, we begin to declare the whole counsel of God, because our life should be a living epistle known and read of all men. In other words, we should be a book revealed. And our book should reveal the greater book. Because Jesus' life, of his life revealed, he was, came to us in the form of a book, in the volume of a book, and he lived it out. And his living out his prophecies and what God had called him to do fulfilled and brought fruition and completeness to the greater book of the word of God. Can I get an amen? He fulfilled Old Testament prophecies. He, he gave fulfillment to that which is old, and he gave understanding to those who would write after him. So there were people before his life writing about who he was and to come, and then there was the Apostle Paul and, and, and the different ones who wrote in the New Testament, in the epistles, writing and fulfilling what had already happened. And see, when we walk out the plan of God for our lives and our book, I believe that then we can help other people understand this book. In other words, if you're doing the things that God has planned for you, see, it says, I know the plans that I have for you, Jeremiah. We all know that scripture. We always talk about it a lot. He knows the plans that he has for us of good and not for evil. 
And so there he is telling, he first tells Jeremiah, I know you before you're in your mother's womb and I've called you to go in and to pluck up and to tear down and to replant. And he tells him all these things that he's supposed to do as the individual preacher. But then you go to Jeremiah 29, 11, he's talking to the people of God. And he says, I know the plans that I have for you of good and not for evil. And who was it that brought that message to the people? The one who knew about his own personal book. Can I get an amen? Because Jeremiah was having revealed to him the plans that God had for him as an individual. And then he goes and he's the one talking on behalf of God about the plans that God had for the people corporately. I know the plans I have for you. That was not written to an individual, by the way, in case you didn't know that. Plans to do you good and not to harm you, to give you a hope and to give you a future. And so he was talking about them while they were in their captivity. And the man who had gotten his book and the plans that God had for him was being used to bring a people their book of what God had planned for them as a people. Can I get an amen? So when we begin to understand the will of God for our life, we can begin to help other people and even groups of people that God has called us to to understand the will of God for their life because you've already been there and done that and you understand how this works. So that's why we call for people to get vision for themselves individually for their life and then you can begin to get vision for your family's life and that's your jurisdiction and I get vision for my life personally and my family but God will give me vision for the church for the church life corporately, for all of us to follow. Can I get an amen? amen? See, if you don't walk by vision, then whose book are you following? Are you following Hollywood? Are you, are you following hipsterism and, and what's cool and what's in the culture and, 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 and conforming to the culture instead of having the culture changed by your life? Which are you? Because the only way that you can really fulfill God's plan for your life is to walk out this plan. Now, I'm going to read, turn with me to First Timothy 1 and 18. How many of you want God's plan for your life? Are you willing to seek it? He says, when you seek with all your heart, with all your strength, I'll be found of you. Not everybody's willing to do that. And that's a sad thing. Because a wasted life is a terrible thing. I'm going to read verse 16. It says, How be it for this cause I obtain mercy, that in my first, excuse me, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them which should come hereafter. Believe on him to life eternal. Now unto the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. This I charge, commit unto the son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou should by them mightest war a good warfare. So we can see that there will be a warfare in doing this. And I believe that God wants us uh, to rise up and to, and to take it on, because I believe that uh, that's what God has for us to do. And then I want to say this, too. You know, Jesus authored that, that book for our lives. How many remember over there in Hebrews, he's the author and the finisher of our faith. What do authors do? They write books. Amen. Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. 
First Timothy 1.19, it says, Holding fast and a good conscience. I think that's right. One nine, excuse me. One nine. I think I transcribed wrong. Let me go to Second Timothy one nine. Yes, who hath saved us? Let me, let's go to Second Timothy one nine. Who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Now think about this, who saved us and called us. Everybody say called us. See, being saved and being called go together. With a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose. We were called according to his purpose and grace. Purpose and grace, purpose is really the, call, the gift and, uh, and really the gift and the calling. Let, let me put it like this. You know, Romans eleven twenty nine says the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. And really, when you look at this verse of Scripture, uh, it's to his purpose and grace. The grace is the gift. The purpose is the call. Our life has a purpose. And grace is the ability that God gives. He calls us according to his grace. Everybody say his grace and his purpose. So what is his grace? His grace is our ability you know, some people are called uh, to pastor. Some people are called uh, to work at a certain place. You might be called to be a doctor. You might be called to do a lot of different things. But his grace then helps us to do his purpose. The gifts enable us to do the calling. See, this is where a lot of people, I, I feel like, are, are missing it in life. Until you know God's grace, everybody say, until I know my gift and my grace, I can't do his calling. See, if you don't understand what you're graced to do or gifted to do, how would you, you can't do the calling without the grace. You can't be a a person who's called into the medical field unless you have a desire and an aptitude uh, for medical things. You can't uh, be called to go out and be an evangelist until you have a call on your life and you have a gifting on your life, I should say, to do that calling. And the gifts and the callings are without repentance. So many people are wandering about because they have not, realize, let me read it again, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, it's not according to what we want to do, it's not according to maybe some plan or some work or something that we would do, but it's a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. So his purpose for creating us. How many of you know God has a purpose for each one of us? Are you fulfilling it today? And you say, well, how do I do that purpose? By having his grace or gift. You will never be able to do what he has purposed you to do, what your divine eternal call is, until you begin to understand your grace. And until you understand your grace, you can't know what it is that he's called you to do. And I like this because it says to his own purpose, not ours, and his grace, not our grace, not our ability to do it, not a gift that we bestow upon ourselves, which was given us in Christ before the world began. It was given when that book, it's it's in that book, it's part of that book. Your grace, your gift is part of that book. Your call is part of that book. The gift and the callings are without repentance. They can never be rescinded. They're eternally unchangeable. 
You will always have that gift on, uh, on your life if you'll discover it. And you'll always have that calling on your life. And see, the way that you begin to discover that, the Bible says that God has set in church apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints. And you know, as Paul says, stir up the gift that is in thee that was given thee by the laying on of hand of the presbytery, by prophecy and the laying on of hands of the presbytery. Well, prophecy, that's that book that God has spoken of in your life. And then the ministry gifts who released that. You know, it really, when you go into the Greek and you understand Ephesians 4 and 11, to equip the saints means really my gift unlocks your gift. Or the ministry gift's gift unlocks your gifts. And so when we begin to understand that, then we, we can understand how important it is what Paul was trying to tell Timothy. How many of you notice this book is about Paul talking to Timothy? So we need people in our life. We need to be in church. And you know, people that do not hook up into a local church, do not submit themselves to a ministry gift, may never know their purpose. That book may exist, but it may never come real to them because they never have those gifts released in their life. They never stir up those gifts. So that's why I believe God calls me as a pastor to call you to seek the Lord every year about this time. You say, well, I don't know anything about that book, Pastor Bill. You mean there's a book... Psalms 139, 16, there's a book that has all the days of my life written in it that I'm supposed to fulfill. I don't believe all the days like a preordained, you know, predestined thing that are just going to happen no matter. No, the days that you're supposed to fulfill, that God has called you to fulfill, the days that are the will of God for your life if you'll choose to fulfill them. So how do we, what do we do about that? I, I don't think I know about that. I don't think that I understand that book. I don't think I've, I've read any pages out of that book. Well, Jeremiah, went through, God speaks to Jeremiah. In Jeremiah 29, God speaks to the people. But in Jeremiah 33, 3, Jeremiah is a great example. He says, call upon me, and I'll show you great and mighty things that you know not of. You know, we have not because we ask not. You know, you say, oh, Lord, show me. Then you go do something. You couldn't hear him talking to you. If you, you know, you're watching NFL football or something, you know. Hearing from God, you know, we need to see God, but then we need to be still and we need to listen and we need to fast and we need to go before God and we need to seek him for several days. You know, Habakkuk says, I'll sit on my watch and I will wait. How many of you know God just doesn't jump through the hoop when you demand an answer? You know, it's kind of like when the, when the communists came in and uh, they said, okay, there's no God. And they went into the schools and they said, okay, Call upon your God for a piece of candy. See if he gives it to you. And all the kids say, oh, God, give us a piece of candy. Give us a piece of candy. He says, see, there isn't a God. He didn't answer you. Now, did he? Now, call upon, you know, I don't know if it was Lenin or whoever it was, or call upon the communist authorities that be for a piece of candy. And they said, oh, give us a piece of candy. And they all walked up and gave the kids a piece of candy. How many of you know that's really stupid? But unfortunately, that's the way a lot of people are when it comes to trying to get something from God. You know, and I'd like to say to them, well, you know, if, uh, if you said you wanted uh, to ask Barack Obama for a piece of candy, if he would come, how many of you know he probably wouldn't show up or any other government official? But we need to know that God can answer us immediately, but many times our mind is not really in a place where it can receive and get direction from God, and we need to prepare our mind by fasting and filling our mind filled with the Word and being filled with the Spirit. Can I get an Amen. So when we go to seek the Lord for vision, it's not just, Lord, okay, uh, 
you know my request, you let me know. No, Jeremiah says, and Jeremiah seems to talk about this subject a lot. He says, when you seek God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, all three parts of the trichotomy that God made you, and you love him with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, the same way that you love him is the same way you seek him with all three aspects of your being, not just with your mind saying, oh, God, show it to me. And I believe that when it comes to vision, we need to be like Habakkuk. He says, I'll sit on my watch and I will wait. Everybody say wait. And I'll see what he will say unto me. Then I'll write the vision down and make it plain upon tables that he that readeth it may run with it. And though it tarries, it will tarry but for a season, but it shall surely come to pass. Did you know that the first step of getting your book authored is writing it down? I believe that there's a book in heaven. And I believe that we need to start writing a book. I believe if you put together all the different things that you've written down every year for vision for your life, it starts writing the book of your life if you've heard from God. I believe that God wants us to write down those things that he has for us. I believe that we need to pray over them. I believe that vision is this, is the incarnation of the book that's written in heaven about your life. Let's be the incarnation of that book. Let's be the book uh, that gets transformed and, and can say it's written of him and now it's a declaration. It was just a book to us, but now it'll become a declaration to others when we live it out. Because that's what Jesus did in the incarnation. First, God created, you know, uh, uh, didn't create him, but incarnated him. And then it says, then he declared who he was through his life story. How many of you want to have a life story to pass on to your kids? Amen. Amen. A lot of people's life story isn't very good. And it's basically a story of somebody wandering through a wilderness like the children of Israel. How many of you know those children of Israel didn't have a very good life story to pass down to their children? You know, theirs was a failure. Theirs was we never found out. Theirs was we never did know what the will of the Lord really was. And theirs was we perished in a wilderness. There's a lot of people perishing in the wilderness because they've never followed God's will. You know, some people God tries to give them part of the book like I give you the land. It's yours. I've given it to you. Now you've got to go out and check out the giants and the walled cities, and now you've got to begin to seek God and begin to do things to bring to pass God's will. Well, some people are like, well, you know, God didn't remove those walls for me. God didn't remove those giants for me, so it must not be God's will. No, God wants us to go remove the giants and remove the walls. And a lot of people live their life that way. You know, they're waiting for God to do it, and, and, and then they're going to get involved with it. No, God's waiting for you to do it, and God will get involved with it. They went everywhere preaching with sci- and God working with them. It doesn't say that they worked with God. It says God worked with them. God has nothing to work with until you start doing things. The Holy Spirit's called the helper, not the doer for you. See, and that's why we've, we need to know what the book and what the call is in our life. And we need to go. We need to write it down. We need to go out. We need to start living it out. And we need to seek God. And that's what we're doing Wednesday night. Tonight, basically, I'm preaching today what we're going to be doing Wednesday night. But between now and Wednesday... I want you to be praying. I want you to be seeking God. We're going to be seeking and we're going to be praying. And we're going to be writing things down and we're going to be believing. And I believe that it's a time to to pray and and a time to fast and time to find the vision for your life and for your family. And you know, if you've never done it before, this may be something new. You say, well, I'm not used to doing things like that. I'm not used to writing things down and having goals and setting goals. And of course, we all know the statistics that 97% of people don't write any goals down for their life. You know, something like 89% of people never read a book after high school. 
And most people don't get, you know, and a huge percent of the people don't get saved after they're like 16 or 18 years old. There's something happens to us. We become like the children of Israel, and we just don't, we just kind of coast, and we don't seek God, or we don't, we just think, well, whatever will be. You know, God's waiting for us to ask him, and we have not because we ask not. And I believe if we'll begin to ask, God will begin to show us the plan for our life. And we need to decree a thing. Job says, decree a thing, and he will shine his light on the path. Everybody say, decree a thing. Formalize, make it into a document, write it down, and, and, and have something specific for your life to follow. Just like Habakkuk says, write it down, and then he ends up by saying, it'll surely come to pass. Job says, decree a thing, and he ends up by saying, God will shine a light on the path for you to follow. In Proverbs 16, it says, commit a thing to the Lord, and he will establish your thoughts. Everything begins with your thought life. It says, a man devises his way, but the Lord will direct his plans. I notice that God only works with people who work with him. God only works with people who initiate direction. And the way we initiate direction is by sitting down and saying, okay, Lord, I'm ready. I got my pen in hand. I got my piece of paper in hand. I'm believing. I'm expecting. I am seeking for you to begin to speak to me. You know, I never get any vision for this church except I first ask and I first seek. I never get any vision for my life if I stay neutral. That's because we have to draw nigh unto him before he draws nigh nigh unto us. And until we draw nigh unto him seeking vision, he will not draw nigh unto us to give us vision. And if you're waiting for God just to reveal your life to you randomly and haphazardly, I'm sorry to tell you this morning, it's not going to happen. You have to seek him with all your heart. That's what he wants. As a matter of fact, it says those whose heart aren't right, he literally hides his plan from. And the Bible says in Isaiah that he hides himself from certain types of people, people that don't seek him. You know, a lot of people say, well, you know, I've never had any experiences with God, but that's because they've probably never sought God. But people that I know that seek God, they have experiences with God. People that call upon him, they hear from God. Jesus was filled with the Spirit, and then he was led by the Spirit. I believe one way you draw nigh unto God is be ye being filled with the Holy Spirit and know what the will of the Lord is. There's a direct correlation there in Ephesians 5, 18 and 19 that the more you get filled with the Spirit of God, the more you'll know the direction of the Spirit of God. Jesus it never said once that he was ever led until we get to excuse me, Luke 4, 1. And it says and he was filled by the Spirit and then he was a bit led by the Spirit into and through the wilderness. So our seeking makes the difference and our, our writing down the vision and the plans makes the difference of being led and not being led, being in God's plan and not being God's plan. And God has divided up our existence into days, weeks, months, and years. And I believe that there comes junctures in life where God says, okay, yesterday's assignment is either you either did it or you didn't do it, you may have passed or failed, but he's either going to reassign it to you or redesign it for you. And he's going to say, okay, let's start from here. If you feel like you've missed God's will and you haven't really known how to do this, then put a stake in the ground and says, from this day forward, I'm going to walk in God's will. From this day forward, I'm going to walk in the plans that he has for me. From this day forward, I'm going to start incarnating that Psalms 139, verse 16 book that's written in heaven about my life that has all the days of my life recorded in it. And that's what vision is, is seeking God for what's in that book to systematically daily have plans and begin to make those your goals and begin to fulfill. And that's what making Jesus Lord is all about. 
See, we can't just go do our own thing. Making Jesus Lord is finding out what that plan and begin to incarnate that book, begin to declare that book, begin to be that book made flesh among men and be an epistle known and read among men. Amen. Well, we're going we're gonna to go short today. I endeavored to do that. And y'all, y'all are saying, well, that's, you know, that's the greatest miracle we've ever seen, Pastor and we would actually get out of here by 11.25 or 30. So, uh, you know, the Christmas season does bring miracles. <laughs> Amen.